Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. This season, we are talking about the book of Psalms and the steadfast love of God. We'll explore the intricacies of God's covenant love for His people and learn what it means to pour out our hearts to Him. I'm Amber Barrett, and joining Aaron and me in conversation today are Melody Pitts and Leslie Glass. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Thank you. Good to have you. Um, Leslie, tell us a little bit about how the two of y'all know each other. Wow. Well, um, Melody and I had dinner, a dinner, gosh, 15 years ago-ish, because my now sophomore in high school was in a crib. And we had gone to dinner and I came home and thought I was so enamored by her and I wanted to know her more. And I sat down on the, on my computer beside my bed to type an email to her because I had got, you know, that's how we communicated back then. (laughs) 15 years ago. 15 years ago. Dinosaur age. To follow up and a plane crashed outside our house. We lived on Walton Way at the time and a plane like emergency landed. Do you remember that? In the elementary school beside across the street from our house. And I was in the middle of that email and I was like, well, that's a sign from the Lord that I need to A, know this person and B, my daughter is not going to sleep the rest of the night. (laughs) So it's just written in the history books for me. I was going to say that memory is engraved in your mind. It is very much sealed. For sure. All right, well, why don't you both, and Melody, you can kick us off. You're going to tell us a little bit about yourself, and you're also going to answer the first things first question. Okay. And our first things first question today is, when was the first time you received a traffic ticket of any kind? Oh, goodness. I was in college, probably the time in my life I could least afford a ticket, and I ran a traffic light, and the sweet little cop stopped me, and I attempted to make a, a nice excuse. But it didn't work. It didn't work. And it was a lesson. Uh-huh. Yeah. You can be really nice, and it still doesn't work. You turned Excuses on all the charm, and he didn't. Since then, it's worked several times, but that <laughs> it didn't. You learned, you learned some skills from, I did. From I learned that Yeah, that day it didn't. So that was my first, that was my first ticket. Oh, One of very it. few. Not, okay. not, a, not a few of being stopped, but a few of getting the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me laugh. All right. Well, tell us a little bit more about yourself. So I am 62. I'm a grandmother of almost nine. I have a, my ninth grandchild coming in uh, just a couple of weeks. So Sorry. they're here in the area. And so just busy and wonderful. All eight chaotic. of them? Almost nine of them are yes, in that area? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's busy, chaotic, beautiful, crazy, wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of those, all those things. And out of two sons, I often say I got a good return on my investment. I think so. you did. <laughs> so, and I've been here at First Pres for about 10 years. Um, came and fell in love with the church and um, it's just been a home. It's been, really been, it's like coming home. So it's been great. Mm. Loved it. Well, my answer to your first things, first question, I don't really remember. I don't remember I know I have gotten a ticket, but I don't remember the first one I got because my early memories of driving were full of bad wrecks. Mm. (laughs) So they weren't really my fault and there weren't tickets involved for me. But I totaled my mom's Acura Legend, which is the best car ever when I was 15. She was in the passenger seat. We were in Atlanta shopping. Wow. And then about a month or so after I turned 16, I was hit by another teenager who was hydroplaning Mm. and he totaled my car 
So that's what I remember <laughs> from those early years. So it did add a little layer of caution to my driving. Yeah, if you total two cars before you turn 17, you're probably going to be a safe driver. Yeah, yeah. Or you hope you would be. Anyway. You would hope. You would All right, hope. tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so um, I'm Leslie, and uh, Kevin and I have been married for 16 years, and we have three children, um, and they keep us busy and running and stressed, and it's just a joy. We've been at the church for, I guess, nine years because I followed Melody-ish. And I'm a writer and speaker and love all things with words. Do you play Boggle? I don't play Boggle. (laughs) That's geeky of me, isn't it? I I do still have my very original Scrabble game. Like little tiny. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I'm with you, Leslie, but opposite end of the spectrum, I was just always speeding. I think that even as a a young teenager, I didn't drive in the car with my parents because they wanted to micromanage my driving, and so I never learned how to probably drive appropriately. They just don't tell the police, people. But I guess I never really learned how to drive with an adult in the car, so somehow my parents just let me loose at 16 with a car, which is insane, hilarious, but um, I did get several speeding tickets, but I was in a small town, so oftentimes you would know the officer, and they would just be like, don't go around speed or I'm going to tell your parents, and so I did receive some mercy along the way, but I like to say I've amended my ways. <laughs> you can't see her face, but she just made this face like I think I'm not positive. I've amended my ways for the most part. For the most part. Well, my first memory is also of being in an accident, and it wasn't long after I had my license. And I lived in a very small town. I had one flashing yellow light and some stop signs, and so I was following my dad just about four blocks from where I lived. He was dropping off a truck, and I was gonna actually he was dropping off a car. I was driving his big old truck that he used to get wood. We we heated our um, home with a wood-burning stove, and so he had this big old pickup that you could just throw wood in, and nothing could hurt it, so it was just this beast of a pickup. I was driving that, and he was driving a car, and I just was kind of watching where he was going to pull in, and I was at a stop sign, and I just went, but I didn't see. It wasn't a four-way stop. It was a two-way stop, and I just totally rammed into the pizza delivery guy, the only pizza place in our town that delivered, and I told him his car, he was fine, scared me to death. I had like a tiny little dink in the front oh, part of my car, but his car was totaled and the pizza delivery delivery place no longer delivered after that <gasps> because their insurance oh, no. uh, went up. So I was to blame for you the shutting, for the whole shutting them down. No. Yes. I didn't, I don't remember that I got a ticket. I don't know how I wouldn't have, but I don't. Small town. Small town, <laughs> that's why, small town. But I will say that I remember my child's first ticket because he just went to traffic court today for it. And he got a ticket pulling up at a stoplight and picking up his phone to send back a text. And beside him was a policeman who turned on his lights and pulled him over and said, you can't do that and gave him a ticket. And I said, well, I'm glad because we all need to learn that lesson, including me. Went to traffic court today, sort of a scary experience. He wasn't sure what to make of it. My husband had him drive down there by himself and kind of do the whole thing, but met him down there, 
called me later. He said, you've never seen such a happy boy. They waved the ticket. And he said, you could see that. I could see that boy's smile on his face. And I was standing behind him. So <laughs> he just, he's got one of those smiles that really go from ear to ear. But it, it reminded me of what we're going to talk about today, which is forgiveness and the joy that comes with free forgiveness. Today we are looking at Psalm 32. is written by King David. And the superscription below it says it's a mascal of David. And that means that most likely it was put to music. It was used for corporate worship in the temple. And so David is expressing the things in Psalm 32 that are important to him and that he also believes are important to the people of God in general and therefore important to us. If you were to summarize Psalm 32, you could say it is blessed is the one who has been forgiven by the Lord. And if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't had a chance to read Psalm 32 for yourself, I strongly suggest that you hit the pause button, do that now, and then join back in for our conversation because I think you'll get so much more out of it. Um, The flow of Psalm 32, it basically unfolds with that thought that blessed is the one who has been forgiven. And then it talks about what it looks like to live in unconfessed and unrepentant sin, what it looks like when forgiveness, when confession happens and forgiveness is bestowed, and then what it looks like, what that forgiveness looks like, and then what it looks like to live in light of that forgiveness. And so David uses four statements to build his overarching point about what sin is and the effects of unconfessed sin. And he says it's transgressions, our transgressions are forgiven, our sins are covered, Um, against us the Lord counts no iniquity, And in our spirits, after that confession and forgiveness, there is no deceit. So, y'all, as you were reading this psalm, each of these phrases is indicating a similar thing, but it has a particular nuance that helps us understand in different ways the blessedness of being forgiven. So how did those phrases resonate with you and encourage you? Well, I felt like really thankful that he used so many different phrases because they kind of each create almost a feeling that you can kind of feel in your body the difference as you read them. Um, The two that really resonated with me are that my sins are covered Mm -hmm. and having no iniquity counted against me. Another translation that I really enjoy said it like this, that my sins have been put out of sight and that the Lord has cleared my record of guilt. And both of these phrases kind of just help me to feel that my sin is separated Mm -hmm. from myself Um, So it's no longer attached to me. Uh, It made me think I um, run a good bit in this Georgia terrible heat, humidity, madness. And that shower after a long, hot run, you know, you come in and just feel all the ick and stick and smell and gross. And that shower is something that just cleanses and washes away all of that to where it's not seen or known or remembered. And you walk away really feeling fresh and brand new. And that's how those words kind of make me feel. Yeah, that's a great description. I can feel that cool shower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The gratitude, yes, yeah. for that. For me, the um, and I, I too kind of looked into um, some of the deeper nuanced meanings behind those sins and um it was thinking about how and it's sad to say that every which way that sin is expressed when using sin generically that I've done it Mm. I've been rebellious I have failed when I attempted with all my 
moralistic um, efforts to do it right and 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 just miss the mark failed. Um, I have perverted the good things that God has given me and just messed them up royally. I have not only deceived others but deceived myself and just the so it's, it was like it was like just thinking about who and what I really am apart from Christ mm. and it's it's that you know he who has been forgiven for much you know that's the person that can have the greatest gratitude mm. so there is a way in which it increases my gratitude to contemplate um, just all all that I have done mm-hmm. and committed and and am apart from him mm. that's what I am mm. apart from Christ mm-hmm. so yeah, that's kind of mm. and and to and to have been completely forgiven. Sometimes it seems like to admit or to acknowledge sin is something that's harmful to us, and so we're told to sort of stay away from anything that would would indicate anything we should be feel a sense of shame for or anything like that because we don't know where to take that shame. We don't know how to have it washed away and cleared. And so to say, I can, I want to see clearly what this sin is and how I do that in order to fully appreciate the shower. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all. I love those. Those are beautiful thoughts. And I think the thing that it calls to mind to me is that when I consider my sin, like y'all were saying, like it just runs the gamut and, um, we can't even entertain the idea of forgiveness unless we bring to mind that we have a mediator and, um, that he's not just covered our guilt, guilt, that he has um, made that preemptive offer to us, that he's purchased that freedom for us on the cross. And the fact that it's preemptive, that he pursues us, that our God is merciful and he is just. Like it forced, when I consider my sin, it, it makes me bring that into view of that as just the natural character of who God is, that he um, will hold us accountable for our sin. Um, the fullness of it, like every uh, facet of sin that we can find imaginable, but he also offers the fullness of forgiveness with that. So in Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4, it vividly describes what it looks like to live with unacknowledged, unrepentant sin, and yet be underneath the merciful hand of God leading us to repentance. Describe a time in your life when you experience the effects David describes here as a result of unacknowledged or unrepentant sin. It's interesting. I um, I was thinking about how, uh, just thinking of an analogy there, how um, when the sun rises and you just have that first little peak of dawn, I think I was in the midst of unacknowledged sin. You can't repent, right, until you at least acknowledge the sin. And I, I truly, I'm uh, just thinking about a specific kind of time in my life that um, I was looking back clearly in sin, but uh, didn't see it at all. And um, thinking um, in answering these questions, what it felt like, I remember confusion. I remember ignored sadness, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just the self, you know, just the self um, denial that was going on and you know kind of a pit in your stomach that you think oh that's just going to go away you know um and then and then and and, and it really was uh, god is god's work in my life because i would have never done it 
I never would have been capable of doing it. I was t- was blind. And it was like this slow dawning. And how, if you can just imagine that, just seeing that sun come over and, and all of a sudden those things that were dark, they start very slowly coming into view. And you're like, oh, oh, my. And you now are beginning to see. And then it, it was almost as though that dawning of understanding had to happen. And then I kind of the way I, I put it was it, it caused my sin under the sin to then once, once it got bright enough, then the sin under the sin started to be exposed. And that was, was a difficult, humbling time. But it was a precious time. It was a time of God doing what only he can do and is granting that repentance. My my heart couldn't have done that apart from his help. I love that. It brings to mind just how the Lord's kindness brings us to repentance Mm -hmm. and how that is a gift in and of itself. It is. It is. Could have never done it apart from him. On my own own brokenness, my own issues, could have never seen it. And then he brought it to light and then brought not only the, the error, the, the perversion mm-hmm. um, that had gone on, the twisting of, dis, you know, the, as Augustine writes, the disordered loves. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, um, you know, it was not, it was not about not loving something that should have been loved. Mm-hmm. It was just loving it in the wrong order, mm-hmm. um, creating an idol out of something yeah. that shouldn't have been. Um, only God has that that place. So, mm-hmm. yes, and and not seeing that at all until until He exposed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I think that I so understand just the unacknowledged part of sin and or just where there's a lack of forgiveness and the equating heaviness that relates to that but you don't really know where it's coming from <laughs> because you don't you don't know the source yet and like Aaron said that's where so much of our gratitude comes in for the Lord over time being willing to show us the root and kind of where it comes from um, an example of this that just really deeply resonates with me, especially over the course of the last year, is how now in my 40s I can look back and see how over the last 20 years I have treated 20-year-old Leslie. Mm. Um, And I really despised her for a long time for decisions that she made, Mm. for lack of wisdom that she sought, for experiences experiences that she left kind of on the table. I mean, I held her accountable I have held her accountable for a lot, for so much more than she could bear. Mm. And um, I refuse to give her any grace. And yet day to day, here I am, you know, living through my later 20s, 30s, and 40s, totally kept by the Lord and not being willing to see how these two Leslies, (laughs) you know, have looked upon each other. And I um, really feel now recognizing that and acknowledging it i can i can feel the weight and the heaviness that i allowed myself to just carry around by not dealing with that or acknowledging it 
Yeah, just as you were saying that, it made me think of how we can condemn ourselves when Jesus has said to us, just the way he did the woman caught in the adultery, go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And he gives us that grace, and we often don't, following his example, let ourselves be forgiven or feel forgiven or acknowledge that. I appreciate how y'all both mentioned you just couldn't see it. And I tend to think that I bet I see it because I inter- I look internally all the time, a lot. So I would be able to tell you most things I think, feel, do, blah, blah, blah. And so I would think that I would see sin. But just the pride that comes with that, the fact that I don't see sin because I don't call it sin. I don't acknowledge it. Is that I, I claim that it's something else in an I do that in a lot of different ways, and one that comes to my mind that I've struggled with for a long time, and a lot more maybe you know, five to ten years ago, was just, I've mentioned this before in here, but body image, and it just felt like I was caught in this trap, like I was the victim. I just always felt not enough, embarrassed at times, always feeling like I needed to be more, and so I felt the bondage of it, I felt the captivity of it, I felt all of that, but I didn't. I did never confess it as sin. I just thought it was sort of this cross I had to bear or whatever. And and so it I felt sorry for myself, really. And I did and I thought that confessing sin was just heaping more shame onto shame I already felt mm. instead of saying no, confessing something truly is the removal then, the Lord's removal then of shame. It's not heaping more shame on mm. me. It's giving me freedom that I couldn't give myself in the ways that I was classifying it or whatever. So we've touched on this a little bit, but we've all said heaviness. I loved how you said confusion. You don't really know. It feels kind of dark. Sometimes your body just feels it. You're fatigued. Mm -hmm. You're tired. Can you describe the difference between carrying either unconfessed, unacknowledged, unknown sin and what it feels like to have experienced the Lord's forgiveness in those areas that y'all mentioned? Well, I can very vividly. Um, so this past summer, we were able to spend some time in Athens. Our youngest was in football camp there, and Kevin and I went um, on a jog one morning before we went to watch him practice. And I could just tell, just being in the city, I could just tell that the Lord in different ways was working on shaking up that part of my life and past and history. Hmm. And we literally ran past the house that I lived in once upon a time. And I opened my mouth in prayer and what was a typical just groan of discontent. Um, And I was so familiar with that. It came out, though, more as a prayer this time instead of whining. (laughs) And in that moment of prayer, I truly felt the Lord say, could you just have compassion for her? And it was an instant freedom. It was an instant opposing way of looking at something that I had never been willing to do. And it, it brought with it, you know, I mean, all of the running analogies that I can do, but just the weightlessness all of the sudden of being granted a different viewpoint, a different um, way of seeing her. Um, I had just been kind of swimming upstream in the floodwaters of those judgment, of that judgment for so long. And um, 
it was his kindness that allowed me to see it. I couldn't have done it on my own. And I think that is what is so important. If I step back from all of this and say, like, what's the most important thing? It would be open communication with him because it was in his kindness that he took my prayer of groaning and turned it into something sweet and now that I hold precious. Um, and if I had just kept my mouth shut, I would have stayed in that place. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's neat. So it took opening your mouth. Mm-hmm. It took taking a step and then he took hold and turned it all for good. Wow, that's great. Yeah, because so many times we just stay stuck, mm-hmm. so stuck where we are. And and I would say, um, you know, for me, that's exactly what was happening. I was stuck. I couldn't see. And then as God did just dawn um, and allow that understanding to come, honestly, the first um the first feeling, the first thoughts, the first experience I guess I had when that was happening is I was so humbled. Mm. I w- and I was so shocked that I was so very different than I thought I had been. I thought I saw myself one way. I had had this facade myself. Mm. Um, it wasn't just others in my life. It was the facade I had of myself. So just the necessary humbling that took place. And then just, just realizing that what I had been, um, what I had been idolizing was, uh, what I wanted was not wrong, but where I was attempting to get it was wrong. Uh, That was not the source, and it just took all of that to turn me toward. I I remember uh, sitting in my chair um, where I had my quiet time one day thinking, what is it? What are are you wanting? What's going on? And I just took my journal out, and I just began to write a list. And after the end of the list, I looked back, and I was like, oh, Melody, what you were describing, because I kept saying, I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go to where I'm loved, where it's unconditional, mm-hmm. where there's peace, where there's somebody's face to light up when you walk into the room. And then at the end of that exercise, I was like, Melody, home is God. Mm-hmm. You, That's where you're wanting. And so it just took, it's strange to say, but it just took all of that to bring about that turning, that repentance, and have me face home and realize that was God and to look for those things uh, in him. Mm-hmm. Well, and what you're saying, commending in what Leslie did, which is opening her mouth. Yes. Maybe in an out loud prayer, you were opening your mouth through writing those yes. words on paper and asking. Yes. You know, you're asking, what, what is it? Is what is it? going on? And I think of David yes. who wrote this psalm, and one of the big sins that we remember him for is his adultery with Bathsheba and how the Lord sent him a prophet. He sent him Nathan to tell him a parable of sorts. At the end, David, you are the man. You are mm-hmm. the man who has done this wicked thing. And and David could hear and, and accept that, and it was humility and it was repentance, and then it was life. Mm-hmm. And so just to, to think, yeah, the Lord 
uses words. He uses his word. He uses his spirit applying his word in our hearts. And, and oftentimes he uses the words of other believers that we trust to uh, point out our sin. Yeah, I think, too, just the Psalms and so much of God's word just invites us to be honest with him that he um, does want us. He already knows it. So it's just go ahead and confess it to him. And if that forgiveness that he offers so freely isn't refused, we're delivered from death. Um, the restoration of God's presence, our preservation of life, healing and God's vengeance against the life threatening enemy. We feel that. So in that moment, we have gratitude and relief and um humility of course like you mentioned um and i think just as y'all were talking like i'm hearing this obviously we experience so much of this in the same way and how we're both victims of the fall and participants in the fall that we experience sin on both those levels and that how our god jesus he is tender toward us that he is running toward us if we are his children he is running toward us with a ring and a robe and how quickly forget that when we are especially when we're engulfed in our wickedness we are taking on the blame for ourselves feeling like we have to fix it ourselves and forgetting that he is toward us he is for us and when he heals that relationship for us we then again hate our own wickedness we love his righteousness as we are loved by him. The righteous one has made us love his righteousness. So just receiving that forgiveness is just such a gift. And um, yeah, just so much freedom in that moment. So the Lord's initiative and saving grace are all over the Psalms. He is the one who exposes our sin, leads us to repentance, pours out his forgiveness freely, and then leads us in the good way to go. In thinking on Jesus in relation to this psalm, how does Psalm 32 deepen our joy in the God who opens the way of salvation to us through his son? Um, I would like to say something about what you said when you kind of, you use the word freedom. And um, it th through this particular experience that I've kind of been sharing, um, one of the things that I thought was really helpful was to recognize I was so blind and I couldn't see. He opened my eyes and he brought he uh, brought about the the humility that was necessary for repentance. But then to think about melody, if you couldn't see that, then what what's going on now that you don't mm -hmm. see? And to recognize that this is a part of God's sanctification, and that He's going to be just um, just as faithful in my future as he has been in my past and is in my present. So I'm sorry, I, I forgot your question. I wanted to say that. Hold on, we'll, we'll go back to that. Let's sorry. See. So if we're thinking about the Psalm, Psalm 32, uh, how does that deepen our joy in the God who opens up the way of salvation to us through his son? I think, I th I think for me, it's just to be able to see where I am in my relationship with Christ that it's not dependent on on me. Um, I certainly participate. I certainly am. Uh, obedience is required. Seeking him is required. Knocking, listening, doing all those things. He's told us those things in his word to do. But to to not have the the weight of the responsibility. I can't make Melody. I couldn't save Melody, and I can't sanctify Mel 
Melody. So it does give me um, just a freedom to walk in um, in the faithfulness of God. And so that's a joy. Um, so I think an ever-increasing joy, realizing it's more and more of Him and at work in me. Yeah, I think uh, when I stepped back from this psalm in full, what I felt was the darker the path, the brighter the, the brighter the glory, mm-hmm. you know, the the sweeter it is. And I think that contrast is really beautiful, you know, like that dawning of the first light of the sun, you know, when the, the night is being lit up and today it, you kind of burst forth in gratitude. And so that's what I see is that it's like you said, Aaron, it, we tend to not want to confess or you said it too, Amber, but that is what ushers in the light and brings the freedom and all those things. Um, I love Hebrews 12. I go back to it and reference it a lot. And I went back to that in light of this psalm. And in those first couple verses, we are invited to loose ourselves from what weighs us down and to keep our eyes on Jesus. And it's like a present tense keeping Mm -hmm. on. (laughs) And um, what that is, is, um, I mean, I guess you could, classify it as a demand but really it's an invitation Mm -hmm. and it's the most glorious of all invitations and I love Jesus for it Mm -hmm. yeah just amen to that that (laughs) he really you know um, I was thinking about how we've had all those examples as you get to Hebrews 12 you have all the examples of leaven and you're like okay God has been so faithful but then ultimately Jesus is the perfect example Mm -hmm. and um it's, it was just interesting, you know, when he says, I am the way. Mm-hmm. And and to know that that, that is it, is keep, as Leslie said, it's keeping our eyes on Jesus. I hadn't thought about that, about Hebrews 11 preceding those verses where it talks about all of maybe, maybe what we would call the heroes of faith mm-hmm. and how they did have faith, but how that faith was given to them by the Lord and how he intervened in their faithless places mm-hmm. and ultimately made them, called them faithful in his word. But yet he was, like Hebrews says, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, he was the author and the perfecter of that faith. And so, yeah, when we look at our sin and we see that unconfessed and we, we think, I'm going to hide this. I'm going to keep this to myself. I'm going to somehow manage this myself. I'm going to somehow deal with this myself. And we, we know we can't, and we suffer all of the things that we've described that way, just how precious it is that the Lord shows us so clearly who Jesus is, what he did to take that sin on himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us uh, so that he could take all of that punishment that we deserved in order to set us free and freely free. And I don't think there's a better feeling than that. Amen. <laughs> yeah, I love that our God doesn't ruthlessly demand justice that on us that we deserve, that we deserve the full punishment for our sins because that's the wages of our sin, but Christ took that on. Just fully and completely, and he provided both the sacrifice and the forgiveness. It's beautiful. Melody and Leslie, thank you for taking time with Amber and me today. Listeners, if you want to see the pretty faces of our guests, check out our Women's Bible Study Facebook page at Women's Bible Study, FPCA, or find us on Instagram at First Pres Augusta Women. 
We'd love for you to join us again next week. Take us on a walk by the river or enjoy a stroll through your favorite bookstore. We'll be sitting down next week to talk with Claire Weaver and Lauren Morris about Psalm 33 and the joy of worship. We'll hope you listen in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in His wings. When comforts are declining, He grants the soul again a season of pure shining to cheer it after the rain.